so I had years of like this training and then like when I got totally hurt and I couldn't play anymore and I knew for a fact I couldn't play anymore I never quit early like I just did everything possible to continue my career um, I said okay I have all this basketball knowledge what am I going to do with it I, I can't just keep it in my brain and in my heart so that's when I started like Hey, I'm Gianna Cambria, and this is the Upper Hand Podcast, where we go deep into the minds of athletes and fitness pros turned entrepreneurs to show you how to translate your competitive edge on the field and in the gym to gain the upper hand in your business. All right, welcome to the Upper Hand Podcast. Gianna Cambria here, and I'm really excited for today. Uh, Our guest is Tamir Goodman. And Tamir, in 1999, you were dubbed the Jewish Jordan by Sports Illustrated. Uh, You're a former professional basketball player, and now you are a successful entrepreneur, uh, coach, educator, speaker. The resume um, is stacked there. More importantly, you've got a really powerful story and journey as well. Um, We first connected a few months ago, and what really struck me about Tamir was his humility and his resolve. So I'm super excited to unpack all of that today. Uh, But before we get started, Tamir, go ahead and say hey, and then we'll dive right in. Hi, thank you so much for thinking of me. It's a great honor to be on your podcast and wishing you lots of continued blessings and success. Awesome. Yeah, good to have you. So Tamir, tell us um, what's one thing that not a lot of people know about you? One thing I would say that not a lot of people know about me is that I'm very, very dyslexic. Uh, It's very hard for me to read and write. Um, I kind of kept that quiet for many years. you know, especially when I was going through the recruiting process in high school and things like that, I was very embarrassed of it. I was like ranked the 25th best player, um, high school player in America. But at the same time, I was scared I wasn't gonna be able to pass my SATs. So there was like a long time where I I didn't want the coaches or I didn't want the media. I didn't really want anyone to know about that. Um, But now as I got older, um, I realized that maybe by sharing that with other people, it might inspire them and help them overcome maybe any learning challenges or other challenges that they may have going on in their life, because ultimately it ended up being a unique blessing for me. So, um, but I still don't think a lot of people know that about me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing. And it definitely didn't slow you down because I think you, you won an (laughs) academic award as well, not just for your performance on the court, but yeah. Great. Well, um, let's kind of uh, start from kind of the beginning here. Tell us a little bit about your journey early on, your early basketball days where you started and kind of how that led you up to here. Yeah, well, I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland, and I fell in love with the game at a very young age. And I really wanted to be a Division One basketball player, get a scholarship and play professionally. But there was one big challenge. I grew up uh, as an observant Jew and we, we rest on the Sabbath. So from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday, we focus on our soul, we focus on our family, we focus on God, we focus on like bettering our inner self, refining ourselves, refining our character. So anything that has to really be like work related, we don't do on the Sabbath, which means I don't play basketball at a you know professional or collegiate level on, on the Sabbath. So that was like my big um, challenge growing up because on the one hand, I love basketball, but on the other hand, you know, I, not willing to play on the Sabbath. And it's like so hard to get a division one scholarship. And then imagine telling a coach, well, I uh, thank you so much. This was amazing. I, I love to play, but I, I can't play from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. And who in the world is going to accommodate you? Um, also wearing my kippah on my head, like back then, like no one ever did that at that level. Um, so it was the kind of constantly like trying to like go after my dream and unite it with my spiritual self. And, um, you know, I was blessed that there was a really good coach who lived near us, uh, almost like 
if you ever saw the karate kid like mr miyagi you know or any one of these movies where like you find this like amazing mentor that god sends you in your life and just helps you navigate through everything so i i had that i still have that he's still a coach yeah, so you know he told me at a really young age that never let society dictate what you can or cannot do and he he let me he let me believe that this would be possible if if we put ourselves in a situation to be successful and he taught me how to do that and he taught me how to handle very hard things at a, at a very young age, you know? Uh, for example, I remember when I was 16, he would take me to play against college players. They were 21, 22 basketball players. And I was frustrated. I, they would steal the ball from me. I couldn't do what I used, was used to doing. And I remember like one time, like missing a layup and I like hit the mat behind that's on the wall behind the hoop. And I was like, so frustrated. And he just came over to me. He's like, Hey, Tamir, you know, we don't need to be here, you know, but if you want to be here and you want to play in college, like, this is the speed you're going to see, you know, this is the strength you're going to see. So if we're going to do this, you got to pick yourself up. If you don't want to do it, let's just go home. So he taught me like at a really young age, already at like 15, 16, I was like, I learned how to pick myself up, you know? And, and, and that was like a, that was one of the million blessings that I've learned, learned from him and that have helped me in my life and continue to help me. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's uh, that's powerful playing at uh, you know, college level at that, that young, you know, and having that experience to kind of stretch you out of your comfort zone. So that's awesome. Um, so I think pretty early on, and you mentioned, right, you were, you were ranked uh, in the top 25 basketball players in the country, high school um, at that level. And I think I also heard, was it aside from um, LeBron Jordan and Allen Iverson, you were one of the most followed players as well through your journey. Right. And so what was, can you talk a little bit about what that was like? Cause you know, that would be what some people would look at as a lot of pressure and, and weight on your shoulders at a very early age. So how did that drive you? Yeah, it's uh, yeah. A very uh, leading uh, world renowned uh, public relations uh, person told that to me recently. Um, look, there were times where I had over 700 media requests in one week. I had four pages in sports illustrated when I was only 17 years old, I was, they make like a list of like the most influential Jews in America. Um, I was ahead of the White House press secretary when I was only like 16 or 17 years old. Wow. So, um, you know, and I, 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 yeah, I always had cameras following me, always. They would even sneak into the classrooms at school. If I was in science or math, they knew my schedule. Like it was very, 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 very hard and very, very overwhelming. And it's very, it's not a healthy place. I don't think it's a healthy spot. I don't think it's a place that's like natural for uh, any person, especially a, a teenager going through that. It's a very lonely place. It's a very, very lonely place. Um, and I, you know, I just thank God that I grew up in the family that I grew up in and I grew up with the spiritual uh, blueprint that I grew up in and that helped me navigate through the ups and downs as much as possible. Cause it wasn't really about me. It was always about something bigger than myself. And that allowed not so much pressure as much pressure to weigh on me. Um, but it was very, 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 very hard. And, um, at now I'm, now I'm 40, I'm 40 years old now. So it's, um, I've now been able to like flip it all around to say, oh my gosh, you know, so many people will know about the Jewish Jordan, you know, but how, how can I use that nickname to like help other people help, you know, even this week I helped someone get a job just basically through that name, you know? Um, yeah. So it's, it's, I've learned how to like, it's much easier now that I'm older. I've learned how to like use it to help and inspire other people and connect other people in the business world. And, but at the time it was very hard, especially when things were difficult for me in my life. 
challenging and then like you know it's hard when like the media writes really bad things about you when you're really young and it's it's just hard it's hard but um thankfully i've i've i guess i i could use it now to help other people and that's the best way maybe that's why i was given it to me in the first place yeah yeah definitely so and you right now you coach um young kids as well you've coached over five thousand kids so with you know, back then it was, um, a little bit different, right. When people had sports illustrated, like that was the story of the week. It wasn't like we had all these other outlets, you know, or as much as we do today. And we're bombarded on social media with, you know, snippets of, of athletes lives and, and performance, you know, so, and I think it's starting earlier and earlier nowadays with the recruiting process too. You know, we've got like kids that are coming out of middle school into high school that are committing to colleges, you know, and that have eyes on them. So what are you seeing, is there a comparison to kind of what you were dealing with the media back then to what these kids have to go through now with social media? Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. I think like, I, I just think about like myself, like, you know, what did Michael Jordan mean to me or any NBA player or any, when we were younger, it's like, we've got to read one article about them. And then the rest was like in our heart and in our imagination, like we lived with them on such a deep level. So nowadays you get bombarded with a bunch of stories and you know, there's things going viral and it's all over the place. But I, in a certain way back then it meant it was deeper because like you just couldn't wait to read that sports illustrated and you like you read it over and over and over and over again it was like you know you didn't move on to the next thing as, as quickly you know and we practiced the moves like over and over again because they were in our brain it wasn't like we could go on youtube and and see the move a million times so, okay we saw it now we have to live with it and we have to practice it and get better at it and it was like it was inner it was in ourselves it was part of us so it meant so much i think that's one of the reasons why like you see like a lot of the older generation like it's hard for them to ever like admit that young players are really talented because like the it's almost like we live these people were like so deeply connected to our identity so yeah i felt like being in sports illustrated and all these things back then 60 minutes it's like it was so powerful because it was like it impacted people so much. Whereas now it's like you flip through viral story, viral story, viral story. Um, and I think that's why maybe, you know, my story till today is, you know, still out there. You know, I almost get an interview every day still, every day, every yeah. single day. And sure. it's been like, I don't know how many years, but I guess that's one of the reasons. Yeah, wow. Um, and then, you know, we'll fast forward a little bit. So, um, you come out of high school, you get offered a D one scholarship to Maryland, right. Correct. And you end up turning that down because of your faith and alignment with that and not playing on the Sabbath. They go on, I think that year, right. To win a national championship. Um, and then you end up at, at Towson. So talk a little bit about that experience. Yeah. I mean, I, I love, you know, I'm from Maryland, so we love the university of Maryland growing up. My father rooted for them. I rooted for them. And it was nice to get that opportunity. Um, but I have nothing against them. I'm still very close with a lot of the players from that team and the coaching staff. So it worked out well for them. And then it worked out well for me because Towson, you know, managed to change the schedule. We made history. They changed the schedule. And I'm forever grateful to them and super close to everyone there as well. I talk to the coaches and players all the time. Um, I really love them. I'm, you know, how can you ever thank someone who, like, you know, something wasn't possible. And because of them, it became possible. Like, how do you, I can't ever thank them enough, you know, it was seen as impossible. And then we did it and we did it as a team. And I'm just so thankful that I got to experience that, you know, playing college basketball, playing against Michigan, playing against Villanova, being, you know, that is just, I'm forever grateful that I got to live out my dream. Um, but unfortunately, after my, my, my freshman year, my coach got fired and a lot of challenging things happened after that. <laughs> 
Yeah. But even with that, right. And all the adversity you had with that new coach, you didn't leave, right. You, you stayed committed to that university. Right. I, yes. Um, I had other opportunities, but I felt like, and I was warned about the new coach and, um, I just felt like Towson did so much for me. How can I leave the school after they did so much for me? I, and, um, they just absolutely did not work out with the new coach and really bad thing happened in the locker room. And, um, that was the hardest thing I've ever had to go through in my life, uh, because I felt like I worked so hard to get to that point and having someone take it away from you, especially someone who you're supposed to look up to and supposed to be there for you. That was a very hard thing for me to handle. Um, and it really knocked me off emotionally, physically, and spiritually because I felt like I finally got there and we were making history. I was like rooming with the Muslim basketball player and we were showing the whole world, like the, the power of diversity and uniting people and, and breaking down barriers and building bridges and like everything was awesome. And then it all got taken away. That was very hurtful. Um, and it took me a while to pick myself up until today. It's still very hurtful, but the only way that I could wrap my head around it, is like, you know, I work with a lot of kids now and I just say, look, I know what it's like to have an amazing coach. I know what it's like to have a coach that's not amazing and it really hurts and it really affects your life. So I'm gonna do everything I can to empower the kids and the players that I work with because, and that's the way I kind of heal from what happened to me, give the exact opposite. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that is so um, powerful and kind of in contrast to what we're seeing a lot today with like things like the transfer portal, right? Kids can, can immediately put up, you know, okay, things aren't working out for me here. This isn't what I expected. Let me go move on somewhere else. But, you know, through all of that adversity, you said, no, this university has done so, so much for me. How can I move on, you know, and leave them behind? So I thought that was really, um, just a lot of strength and resolve that you showed there. Yeah. Well, I'm a pretty loyal. I mean, yeah, I, it's like, if someone's in my life, I get really attached to them. And I, I, it's like, if like, I am ferociously loyal to people in my life, I, I, it's just the way I am. It's, I, I, I'm very thankful and appreciative to people. So I never, you know, I'm very, very sensitive. And I, to me, relationships are, are way more important than anything else, you know, and uh, I cherish them and, and nurture them as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, once we get a little more towards your entrepreneurship journey, I'd love to hear kind of the parallels there. And, um, you know, there's, I think there's a lot of um, the newer mindset when it comes to entrepreneurship. I think there was a time and we're kind of moving out of this where it was like hustle, 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 work seven days a week, right? And you're kind of working in contrast to all of that. And with, with still observing the Sabbath and then also the relationship side of it, I think a lot of times as entrepreneurs, we think we got to put our heads down and sacrifice the relationship piece of it, you know, for the business. So I'm um, excited to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah, well, you know, first of all, I was, I'm so blessed that, you know, my, I, I met my wife, like we, my wife and I got engaged after uh, two weeks. Um, wow. We've been married now for 20, almost 20 years, and we have been blessed with five kids. So I wake up every single day and just thank God that my, my, to me, my wife is everything to me, everything. And she it's just like with her, everything is balanced, you know, with her, everything is prioritized with her. I always have the support and just everything I need so that I could reach my potential as a human being, you know, and um, I'm just, I don't take that one second for granted any day, every day. And that really helped me, you know, that 
just being with her and our family and our, you know, our faith, it just, you prioritize things. It, you have a blueprint, you have a game plan, you know, when is it time to work? When is it time to be with the family? You know, what are your intentions throughout the day? Like what is important? What is less important? And, you know, I'm so thankful for that because who knows what would have been without that. N none of this, <laughs> that, that, that was the biggest miracle that ever happened to me in my life. And it, it ha happens again from a new every day. So I, I have that huge advantage um, because it's so hard when in life, like, you know, if you're down, you know, how do you keep going or you're doing extremely well? How do you like stay focused? But like when you have that person next to you that like, it doesn't matter what's going on, you'll just always have that unconditional love. Then it keeps you like always moving forward in a happy and healthy way. Um, and then like with, with the Judaism, it's just like, you know, it's like the Sabbath is, is a time to focus on that. And then the holidays, every holiday brings its own like mental and inner um, healing. You know, one time we're focusing on like, okay, like say for example, Passover is coming up. Like what does that represent? It represents like not being a slave, you know, Passover is like the holiday of leaving slavery. Well, what does that mean in our day-to-day -day life? Like not being a slave to our work, not being a slave to, you know, what society's putting on us, but doing what we believe in and, and what's best for us and for our family. And so it's like every, every holiday has with, like a new energy that you need to live a happy and healthy life. And I'm forever grateful for that. And that's helped me find the balance and been, been really great with the entrepreneurship space as well. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. That's really powerful. And I think, um, you know, for me personally, I can relate to that too, because as I got deeper into my faith, you know, Sabbath is Sunday for Christians. And so, um, that was something that I never used to observe. It was, you know, an entrepreneurship and Hey, I've got to put my nose down. And if I'm not working today, then somebody else is, and I got to get ahead in all of these things. But I actually found that, you know, once I started, um, yielding to myself, right. And obeying what, what was given to me, I think, um, the productivity, and more importantly, my well-being, you know, skyrocketed as well. So I think, and for the people around you, right? I think if you don't take that time, there's so, so many things to it, so many different aspects and so many different angles we can look at it, right? But if you don't take that time, ultimately, you're just running yourself into the ground and there's not much more to give. So it's, yeah, it's definitely so counterintuitive, but yeah. Yeah, when I was like younger and stuff, like eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, and I tell other basketball players, like, you know, you know, we don't, I don't turn the light on, on the Sabbath. I don't turn the TV on, on Sabbath. We don't answer the phone on Sabbath. Like everybody was like, you're like, you know, where are you from? Mm -hmm. But nowadays I think people, because of the phones and because of the family dynamics being so upside down, people are starting to realize that there is something unique in the Sabbath. There is something very special about sitting at the dinner table with the people you love, inviting friends, talking, encouraging each other, spilling your heart out you know, focusing on what's important and what you could get better at. There's something so magical about it. It's something so magical at your kids looking at you at the table on Friday night and knowing that no matter what's going on in the world, you know, they have your undivided attention, not the phone, nothing, nothing, nothing. You're going to listen to your kids. You're going to be there for them. You're going to play a board game. You're going to read a book. You're going to read a story. You're going to sit on the couch. You're going to be, it's so healing. It's so healing. And I think the world is, is starting to realize that too now. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So I want to, um, I want to talk about one more thing before we move on to your journey into entrepreneurship, but I think, uh, so you, you finish your career as a college player, what happens from there? And I think you even, uh, you serve in the Israeli defense force for a little bit too, and I'm a military brat. So I'd love to hear about that experience. Uh, 
Yeah. So yeah, I, I was really down after what happened to me uh, with the new coach at Towson. Um, I kind of quit basketball for a while. Like I was just broken in every way. And then one day I found the courage to pick myself up and say, I can't let someone else take me away from my mission in this world and what God has planned for me. And I can't run away from my identity and who I am. I got to come back stronger than ever. And I came back stronger than ever. And I started working out and I was lucky to get a call from coach David Blatt, who uh, was the coach of the Cavaliers, um, Cleveland Cavaliers and um, coach LeBron James. They made it to the finals, but before that he was coaching in Israel. And he said, Hey, you know, we read about what happened to you in the paper. What do you think about coming to Israel to play professionally? I said, that would be amazing. And I went to a couple of tryouts and then I signed a three-year contract and came over here to Israel where I'm talking to you from Jerusalem now. Um, and then in Israel, everybody has to go to the army, everybody, men and women. Um, uh, and for me, uh, I, um, I, I come from, you know, descendants of the Holocaust. My grandmother who raised me is a Holocaust survivor. And um, on both sides, we're just a Holocaust, Holocaust, Holocaust. I grew up raised by Holocaust survivors, as did my wife. Unfortunately, most of their families on both sides were murdered, but we were blessed to, to grow up by Holocaust survivors. And I just thought like, wow, what an amazing way to honor my grandmother, um, who was told every single Jew in the world is going to get killed. That was what Hitler was, was trying to do and honor and say, hey, we've come back to Israel. There's a safe place where Jews won't get killed anymore. Um, and and, and, and Israel could bring, you know, being in the army, the Israeli army is such a moral army, just bring a lot of light and goodness and kindness uh, to the world by, by serving. So um, I, I wasn't sure what unit I was going to be in. I was a little scared at first. I thought it was going to like affect basketball. And um, ultimately I was, uh, went to a, an APC unit, armor personnel carrier, small little tank type thing. Um, and I became a certified mechanic. So God forbid if something would happen in battle or something would happen to the APC, like we would have to go and fix it, get it, make sure the soldiers are okay and continue moving forward. Um, and they were extremely nice to me about the army with basketball. And I was able to, to you know, have my time to practice. And um, I was, I'm very thankful that I did that. It, it helped me a lot in life. It, 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 it taught me a lot, you know, something very special about it. And I actually think like Israel, one of the most amazing things about this country is that everybody has to go to the army because it's like, if you think about it, everyone from like age 14, 15, 16, like my daughter, like they're all thinking about like, where am I going to the army? They're not thinking about themselves. They're thinking about serving and giving back. And that's why like when the pandemic hit in Israel, it's like within 24 hours, you know, the elderly had nothing to worry about because there was like a system set up by, okay, we're going to bring you all the medicine and food you need, you know, like special needs, everything is like taken care of because you're always thinking like community first instead of me, 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 me. What college am I going to? What am I going to do? What, you know, how much money am I going to make? Like, yeah. it's just a different reality. It's just, so everyone here is thinking like serving, giving back and sharing during their teen years. And it just makes a huge difference on the society in general. So I'm thankful that I got to do that. Um, and ultimately also did play seven years professionally and then I blew my knee out. <laughs> Gotcha. Yeah. Wow. So, and I, I think, you know, what you were saying too, about, um, the outlook of serving others, I think one, you know, everything that's going on right now in Ukraine, America is standing here watching in awe, just of the strength and the resolve that those people are showing as well. It reminds me a lot of that, but I think, you know, we've gone through this process here in America over the last, whatever it's been, where we're also me focused, right. And now I think slowly, but surely we're starting to see that shift a little bit and, you know, see on how unhealthy that is. And, you know, and when the, true cost of all of that, you know, when you're just so inward focused. 
Yeah, I think that's the main, main message now for athletes and for sports in general, because that's the, we have the platform to unite and to share and to care and to listen, to listen to what other people are saying, you know, and be there for them and create change. That's ultimately the holiness of sport. And I'm very, very, very dedicated to that and believe in that and believe like that's the holiness of sport. And I'm so glad, like you said, that like we're starting to really see that there's an incredible change happening yeah, and the world is becoming better. And that is, that's the coolest. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So lots of parallels there, um, from, you know, your journey as an athlete and even, you know, experience leading up to that and through your pro career, um, talk a little bit now about when was the moment that you started shifting into business? What did that look like? So I really hurt my knee the first year, my first pro pro after my first pro season. And, um, I, we already had two kids and, uh, I, it like, like, it made like a, a wake up call in my head because all I knew up until that point was like basketball, 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 basketball. And that's the, that's already while I was an active player, I started building up my camps and clinics in the summertime in the off season. So, you know, that was really, really great. Um, and then like the last years of my career, I was always hurt recovering from surgery, recovering from physical therapy. So I spent a lot of time on the bench you know, I'm like on the bench, I'm going to every scouting report, I'm going to every practice and I'm just accumulating so much basketball knowledge, scouting reports, practice games, because I can't physically play, but like I'm playing in my mind. Like if the coach is calling something, I was like envisioning, like I was healthy and I was playing and here's what I would do. So I had years of like this training. And then like when I got totally hurt and I couldn't play anymore, I knew for a fact I couldn't play anymore. I never quit early. Like I just did everything possible to continue my career, um, I said, okay, I have all this basketball knowledge. What am I going to do with it? I, I can't just keep it in my brain and in my heart. So that's when I started like getting into product development, consulting for high-tech sports companies. Um, I wrote a book. I just wrote another book for kids now, um, media projects, working on a movie project. And um, now with the release of Aviv Net, it's literally changing basketball around the world. And I'm so excited about it. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. That's awesome. Okay. So I think, um, I think what you just said is really important because we see this a lot with athletes kind of transitioning into that business space or entrepreneurship space. I feel like a lot of them start with their own camps or clinics and that eventually evolves into something else. Um, so from there you started kind of getting into the physical product space as well. Right. I think before AvivNet, you had something else, um, journeying yes. through that. Can you talk a little about, about that? Yeah, I just I had zone 190. It's a multi-angle pitchback. It's like it makes you unscoutable. Um, it allows you to catch the ball from multiple angles and 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 just get better at basketball. We got that into the NBA. It was a feature product at the women's final four and written about in Sports Illustrated. So exciting. Um, unfortunately, it got stolen from us by a big company, which was really hurtful. But eventually the truth came out and we're, you know, after we we uh you know, get Aviv net where we want to get it to and it's happening quickly. We're going to circle back around and relaunch uh, zone 190, which is very exciting. Um, and uh, it's all about helping players, helping them, you know, understanding what they need and, and helping them so that they can reach their potential. And I can no longer play anymore, but if I know one of my products is helping another player, it's almost like better than playing because mm -hmm. you're more effective, you know, how effective is it for me to just continue playing? okay it's cool but you know if you could do something to actually help the next generation that's even a higher level so i'm really excited about that and i would also tell um active players that may be thinking about getting into the space or transitioning 
anyone who's playing division one basketball or any sport or professionally, your network, you know, the relationships you have is so valuable to almost any company, any sports tech company. So um, realize your knowledge, realize how special you are, realize like what you've gained by playing at that level and realize that your relationships are so valuable. They're, they're so valuable to any company. Your insight is so valuable. Um, so be proud of that um, and just take the same work ethic and focus um, that you had as an active player. And it should transition very well into business, especially now more than ever with everything that's going on in the startup space and sports. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so can you talk through kind of some of the, the challenges that you experienced developing a physical product and what that process looked like? Yeah, I think it goes back to some of the stuff that I was talking about earlier is like, you know, when, when we were playing back in the day, growing up playing, um, you're so focused on basketball. It's hard to even imagine. It's hard to like practice is so important. There's no way in the world you're going to miss a practice. Like even if your brother's getting married, like you're literally running to that wedding for one second and running out of there because you can't miss practice. Like you're so, there is no life. There was, it was just getting better at basketball. And then what happens when it ends is like, you're like, oh my God, like, I don't know how to do anything. Like all I know is basketball. And that's why I try to encourage a lot of players and coaches now to like, you know, if your brother has a birthday party or sister has a birthday party, like coach, let them go to the party. Like mm -hmm. let them experience life. Like we understand books are important and they, they try to push in the basketball world, but really like let them be a part of school. Let them experience school, you know, because one day you could get hurt and it, it ends very quickly and you don't have the, the skill set a lot of times. You have the work ethic, you know, you have the drive, but you know, you don't really... And at least for me, I, I didn't really know anything else too much in the world. And um, it's a scary feeling. So I, I, I do encourage coaches and players to be a part of life. And then when you're at practice, give a million percent, of course. Right. But, um, you know, I think that's an important element. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's so true. Um, do you have any advice for uh, athletes that maybe are currently playing or they know that they're about to start transitioning off of the court, off of the field and into that next phase of their life, what should they be doing, you know, when it comes to either their personal brand or social media, or even their own development to start, you know, kind of setting that platform where they're going to have that audience and that network to be able to leverage with, you know, whichever direction they go in. Yeah. So my coach, a couple of things, my coach taught me that were very helpful were like, okay, number one, what, what can that person do that you couldn't do for yourself? Like before you sign on with somebody or something like, okay, do you really need them? Do, do you really need them doing that? And, and them taking your money. Okay. So like it, on the other hand, understanding where you do need help and getting that help and making sure you have the best, most professional, most caring help that balance right there, in my opinion, is the most important thing. Okay. Cause understanding where you need help and embracing it and working with the best and understanding where you don't need help because everyone is going to be pulling at you and asking you for things and trying to get a part of you. You don't want to give things away that you don't need to give. Um, so I think finding that balance is the most important thing. Yeah. And that's great, great advice, especially right now with um, NIL and everything that's coming down the line with that. I think, you know, more than ever, these athletes are pulled in all different directions and people wanting, like you said, a piece of, of their image and likeness, right. That they can leverage. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, um, 
Yeah, a hundred percent. I think it's important and to athletes need to educate like how special they are, what their reach is, understanding like if I'm a if I'm a if I'm a owner of a team, the first week, the first week of the season, we're not even on the court. Every mm-hmm. one day we're gonna be the janitorial staff at the arena. We're gonna understand what it takes to clean up after a game, hundred percent. Next day we're going to media. We're gonna run all the media, game day operations marketing, understanding how valuable, understanding the money that's behind it, understand what happens when you post, how you post, what you post on each one, image, likeness, branding, we're spending the whole day. Then we're going to spend a day on contracts, understanding free agency, you know, what happens if you get injured, da, 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 da. then we're going to spend the next day on medical staff. You know, who is our medical staff? How do you come back from injury? Do we want to rush an injury? Do we not want to rush an injury? Da, 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 da. Next day, we're spending a whole day just on press conferences understanding how to answer a press conference what happens if you say the wrong thing at a press conference what if you're tired and you don't want to be in the press conference and they're forcing you what should you do how can you learn how to say sorry um can we please move on to the next question you know i would spend a whole week just the basic training maybe even two weeks and then go yeah. to basketball yeah i love that and uh I, I love basketball any sport but just my heart basketball right. i always think that any sport <laughs> Yeah. And I love that. And I think, again, that's such a great approach to the world of entrepreneurship, you know, and a lot of that comes, um, what I call just in time learning, right. As you're building a business, it's like, okay, what's the next thing I need to learn. Right. But, but understanding all of those different components so that when you do get to this point where you're moving out of, okay, I'm moving from solopreneur into, you know, this next phase of my business starting to scale and I've got to bring on a team. You know, if you don't have an understanding, at least enough to be able to have that kind of conversation and set systems and standards, you know, it's going to kind of collapse inwardly so a hundred percent even also uh, you know with philanthropy you know i if you want to have a foundation you have to understand everything about a nonprofit organization you know there's professionals out there that are incredible that specialize just in that like otherwise you're gonna your foundation could get end up being in huge trouble one day like like everything working with the best understanding educating yourself for profit nonprofit branding, marketing, social media, like you really need to know all this nowadays. It's, it's not like it, it's not like it used to be, but it could be leveraged in the right where right way where you're actually gaining from it. You know, whereas in the olden days, it was just like everything, you know, the team or whatever, like, you know, after games, they would just come to us and say, Hey, you know, we would like come to our locker. And in the locker there was like, like a different, you know, requests, media requests. You have an interview with this, you have an interview with that. And then be here, be there, be there. And then it was like over, you would just show up and leave. Nowadays, you're your own media company. So it's important to know all this stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, And, you know, kind of last question on that too. uh, How do you juggle all of that? So how do you juggle your social media, you know, promoting the products that you're doing, your books, your brand, all of that? How are you juggling that? Yeah, well, first of all, um, everything for me stems with Judy, with my wife, uh, everything. Uh, she helps me in every single way. Um, and she's really, really great writer. Thank God. <laughs> so that balances me out really well. Um, and I, I think the way I am just as a person, like I usually don't post anything unless it's really, really important or inspiring or helping other people. I think that's just like my style. So, um, you know, that's kind of the category. Otherwise I, I don't just randomly post things. Um, so that kind of keeps me like, I, I know before I post something like, okay, this is definitely like, this is important. This is inspiring. Uh, this is uplifting. It's helping someone or 
it's like something important for the company as a whole, you know, that's kind of like my criteria. Yeah. Helps yeah. Me. I think that's yeah. really, really important um, to make sure that it's aligning with your brand, you know, and again, especially as we get into the NIL space and brands are saying, Hey, you know, we'll pay you to post this and pay you to post that making sure that it runs through the lens of does this meet my values and who I am? Exactly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. Cool. So as we kind of start to wrap up here, um, one thing for you. So if you, um, let's say that all of a sudden you lost everything and you had to start over again with your business, uh, what would you do in the first 30 days to start to rebuild that? Uh, talk to my wife, just, just being able to talk to having somebody in your life that you could just talk to from and say everything from the, your inner self and someone who loves you unconditionally and someone who could listen unconditionally is like one of the greatest blessings in the world. Um, and, and, and it's like, it's kind of the only way to really reach your potential because you're going to get honest feedback. And, right. um, <laughs> what was it the other day? I, I just heard something really interesting about like, it, the, the point was like, there's a lot of people that have just like, yes, people, yes, people, yes, people all the time. And they, they, they don't really reach their potential that way because they're only saying yes, because whatever. So it's important to have that person in your life. And for me, it's my wife, maybe for other people it could be a therapist or a coach, or I, I don't know, a friend, but thank God I would, that's how I would start off for sure. I start, start everything with her. Yeah. Yeah. Having that person that has permission to speak into your life and challenge you and knows, you know, all, always with good intention, but knows you and can, can kind of, uh, shake you out of your own ways, I think is really important. In the Hebrew Bible, it's, uh, said, it means a helper that's against the person. Well, what does that mean? How can you be a helper if you're against, <laughs> but that's really it. It's yeah. the only way to go is grow is to hear someone who has a different opinion or has like a different thought. And, you know, that's the best way to grow. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. Um, and then lastly, what advice would you give to someone that, you know, is again, maybe transitioning out of their life as an athlete, trying to figure out what's next. Maybe they want to start a camp. Maybe they want to do an online business. What advice would you, would you give to them? Yeah, go with something that you really, really love because you're on such a high from basketball. Sorry, it's from sport. Okay. Like there's no real feeling like that again. Like if you make a big three pointer in a game and thousands of people are like cheering you and, and after the game, they're waiting for you. And, 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 you know, it's, I don't think you could ever get that feeling again. Like uh, that, that style of like happy. It's not only happiness. It's like a rush. It's like still really relive in my head. Like amazing. Like, great shots or a great experience on the court. You know, it's like, you can't, I can't ever do that again. My knee, you know, it's all, that's just not there. So you have to replace it with something that's really, really fulfilling and that you love because there's a big emptiness after you play in a lot of, in a lot of ways, you know? So I think that's very important. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So I like to end this with um, kind of a rapid fire. So three sentences. And I tried this with one word before, but I, I think the third one's a little tough to stick to one word. So we'll say two to three words um, okay. responses. All right. So you ready? Yes. Okay. To be successful in entrepreneurship, you need to. Creative and resilient. Love that. One thing to watch out for is. Um, people not good people. <laughs> yeah. 
And when you feel stuck, remember to. I always say just, just because when you hit a rock, it just means you're one step closer to your goal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Two words, but yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Well, Tamir, where can um, people go to learn more about you? Um, well, tamirgoodman.com or social media is Tamir Goodman. Uh, our website for the AvivNet is avivsports.com. And if you ever come to Jerusalem, please email me. I'd love to show you around. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tamir. This has been amazing. And we will catch you guys on the next episode. Thank you. Thank you.